You're listening to Gospel Theory, a Called to Learn audio podcast. For more information about Called to Learn, visit calledtolearn.com. That's calledtolearn.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome to Gospel Theory. This is where we learn about the true principles of Jesus Christ through all the myths, the rumors, and those incorrect definitions that are out there. And today we have a special guest with us. Liz Bradley is going to be here with us, and she is a wonderful mother. Um, and she has gone through a lot of trials in her life and where she's learning, learned the principles of motherhood into a deeper way of helping her kids as well as helping other mothers learn the difference and the, the sanctity of motherhood. So we are wondering what is going to be making mothers happy? What is the, what makes mothers happy? And that's or what women happy women. in general. That's yeah. true. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what makes women happy? That's a kind of a, a hard topic, right? Because mothers, like, <laughs> everyone has their opinions, the opinions on that. On this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it that God's saying about motherhood? So we want to welcome Liz. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Liz, will you tell us about who you are, what you're doing, and just some maybe some background about you and how many children you have, things like that. Okay. Um, so I'm a 40-something. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have five children. Um, my youngest is 15 and my oldest is 21. And I had five kids in six years. That's Kind of important to note. Um, <laughs> it, um, you think you're crazy. <laughs> well, it was really funny because one time I was talking about a woman who I really admire and um, how they had had a really hard time getting pregnant, and then you know they prayed and they fasted and they were able to have. Um, it was I think it was five kids in ten years, and I was telling that to someone like, "Isn't that amazing?" And someone turned to me and goes. You just had five kids in six years. <laughs> it blew me away because I hadn't actually thought of it. <laughs> like I was living it, but I hadn't I hadn't conceptualized. Oh my gosh, it's six years, you know. Um so it actually that kind of tells me tells you a lot about like where I'm going with this because um when we my husband and I were first dating, the first when we decided we were gonna get married, um the first big fight we had was over whether or not we were going to wait, um, our, our space out kids or, you know, um, everything. And he had been raised that it was the only responsible mature thing to do was that you waited. Right. And you planned it and you, you controlled that. Right. Mm. And I, I had been raised that you, you trust the Lord and then you rely on him to make sure you can support and take care of everything he sends you, right? Everyone he sends you. Um, and then, um, and then in addition to that, I had, uh, older cousins, a sister and others in my life who had just not been able to have kids yeah. when they wanted to. Right. And so I knew that, there wasn't some guarantee that I was going to have control over. I, we all know how to stop it. We don't know how to start it. Right. Yeah. And, and we don't talk enough about that. I feel like in a, in a society, I, I, because it seems to me like there's, 
it seems logical to me that if you are taking birth control for a long period of time, you're basically telling your body, you're teaching your body to abort because they're, they're, most of them are abortive fashions. So what they do is they, they make it, you can still conceive, but your body will not support the baby. And it seems logical to me that if you do that long period, long term, your body is going to be in that pattern and it's going to be harder to reverse it. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, because I had those strong feelings, I was like, okay, this is a deal breaker. But up to this point, we felt really good about our relationship. And so that night when I, when I kneeled down and prayed, I just said, I said, Heavenly Father, if I'm wrong, tell me. And if he's wrong, tell him. And I just, he basically just said, let it rest. And then the next day, my husband came up to me and he's like, well, I was praying last night. I just had this feeling come over me. And I knew that you were right, that we need, we needed to not wait and we wow. need to move forward. Wow. And so, um, so then we, we had, like I said, five kids in six years, we, we got married and, um, I was, let's see, I was about eight months pregnant on our anniversary. <laughs> Uh, from when we got married oh wow <laughs> so we we did right away yeah and then um and then we had the biggest space between kids we had was like 22 and a half months but our um so after our fourth child we were really really um kind of maxed out right like on yeah. our energy and emotions and everything mm -hmm. and um little kids do that to you Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and being almost consistently pregnant or nursing for, you know, at that time, like yeah. five years, that, that can be hard. And so, yeah. um, but I, I was actually feeling okay, but my husband wasn't. And the thing is, my husband is like this really wonderful father who would come home and be super involved, right? He wasn't checking out. He wasn't trying to be, you know, watching TV or playing video games or whatever. He wasn't saying, I need more time to watch sports, you know? He was saying, I don't know if I have of the capacity for another child right now to give them my attention and, and everything, which I feel like is a really legitimate concern. Yeah. And then I was also feeling at that time that I, that there was one more and that it was right now, not later. Mm. And so it was really a difficult period because felt like I was between a rock and a hard place. You know, I need to honor my husband. I need to honor God first. And so I knelt down and I was like, um, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do, but here's the situation I'm in, you know? And so I actually went to the doctor four times to, um, to do, to get some, some form of contraceptive and something went wrong all four times. So I was able to honor my husband and his concerns at the same time, honoring the Lord. And since I was supposed to have another one, he made that possible. Um, so going back several years, I think I, I can't remember which child I was pregnant with, but mostly for the sake of like doing what was socially normal, I was like complaining about, you know, um, pregnancy, motherhood and all that stuff. You know, it's like the end thing to do, right? Yeah, you complain. Yeah. Yeah. Complain about your husband, complain about your children, complain right? about your mom. Yeah, right. that's <laughs> right. about everything nowadays. Yeah. Right. Yeah, complain about everything. If you have something to complain about, you're you're smarter and more important or something. I don't know. But yeah. so mainly for that reason, I was kind of, you know, whining to my sister. And she goes, Well, then why are you having more? And I was like, Why am I having more? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I knew, 
but I was like, why am I, you know? So I, I dug more into that and I really made it a study and I call it being in the Lord's university because like you choose things to study, but more than that, he sends all these experiences and people into your life that like teach you on that subject. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that word. God's university. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And we're yeah. all enrolled, right? We, whether we like it or not, we're enrolled. <laughs> well, and some of us are more enrolled than others. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. I mean, it, I, some people might call it consciousness, right? Like the degree to which you're consciously involved in, in your personal, and I don't want to say personal development because that has become its own separate category, <laughs> but, um, but the more that you're, the more that you're personally engaged in the reason you're here, right? Like who God made you to become, mm-hmm. then you're more enrolled, right? Then you're mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not just here skimming by, you know, checking off boxes. Then I'm, I'm engaged. I'm focused. I'm, I'm listening to the Lord and I'm paying attention to what's going on around me for what he's teaching me. Mm-hmm. And so um, throughout that, I was led to the scripture and lots of talks and, and just putting th- things coming together in my mind, things that I probably have known most of my life, you know, things like I'm made in the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, well, so what does that mean? What, what in my image is so much like God, right? And we know that we're made patterned after him, like in our bodies. But then I was like, what, what is um, specifically God-like? on me what on about me is that and then and then also things one of the biggest most profound things was basically God told me you know I could be called anything I am the master of everything I am the master scientist the sociologist the historian the everything I could be anything but I said call me heavenly father and that just uh, just, it just um, overpowered me wow. in just a really beautiful way because it said there, there's nothing male or female that anyone does that is greater than parenthood. Wow. And then, and then he go, and then he kind of showed me the reason for everything else that I am is that I'm a father. I'm a creator because I'm a father. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a scientist because I'm a father. I'm a sociologist because I'm a father. That's beautiful. It's definitely backwards from the rest of the world. When you take a look at uh, where everybody else wants to be, you know, they don't view fatherhood as the first priority in, in in their, in their existence. Um, Even when, you know, I'm seeing this even, especially among my generation and the people like me they don't view or take into priority marriage they don't take into priority uh fatherhood or motherhood um it's always just going straight to career and that's what will make you happy and uh, whether you're a woman or you're a man um making true joy has never really come from a job Mm -hmm. it hasn't and uh, the unfortunate thing is is that 
we view, we try to make our jobs are what we love to do. And we can do that to the best of our ability. But at the end of the day, we're doing it. Why? So that we can support our families. Yeah, right. The bottom line. That yeah. should be the bottom line, but it's not anymore. The bottom line is to self-aggrandize ourselves, to build ourselves up, to buy that next car, to make sure that we're keeping up with appearances with our friends. You know, the sh you know, you look back and I love the show Friends and all. Um, but it taught an entire society that we should yep. view friends over family right and have and have make them a priority and not make your family a priority and unfortunately that's created an entire generation of people who would rather have a tight-knit friends group than be a part or be a part of the family and continue their line of their knowledge badly right that this that show also so oh my gosh normalized so many things that mm -hmm. society already knew was not okay yeah pornography was mentioned hundreds of times joey was obsessed with it and was made to look like some kind of cute fun guy mm -hmm. and i think that the problem with that show and many others like them is that they're scripted but nobody yeah. people don't stop and think this is not actual real life yeah and they're controlling outcomes that don't pan out that way in real life in real life joey's depressed possibly even suicidal failure to connect with with women all these other things and then you know and the women uh i just i could go on about that show i have to <laughs> about that show because there's so many fallacies in right, that show yeah. that are promoted as as if they're truth because it's a controlled environment where instead of natural consequences it's i can make really bad things look fun and i can yeah. i can make it look like there's no bad consequences to these choices exactly you know? and that's definitely a myth that we need to be busted right yeah. right <laughs> yeah right that the, the tv show is scripted i love that that that's how you right. put it and well it's no not only scripted is. it was designed that way yeah it's right scripted to be designed that way. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it is designed to control you and what you're thinking and what you yeah. what you want to do it's a very well, powerful tool that uh you know through humor you can do anything right yeah you can right. persuade an entire generation through humor so we need to be careful with our spiritual gifts that give us creation, right? She's talking about creation. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about creation and, and, and doing all these amazing things with our bodies and um, and, and creating families, but where, where we're now focused on something else, um, right. now focused on creating evil without even knowing it or and thinking, thinking it's and thinking it's fine yeah, or normal. It's, it's not, yeah. in all in the name of progression, mm -hmm. right? Right. And when we and when we teach society, and this is another of the themes of a lot of a lot of modern movies and sitcoms, is that when we teach a whole society that sex is nothing, then mm. what follows is that children are nothing, mm. right? Because Good where point. do we get children from? Yeah. And so, and it goes both ways, right? When we when we claim in support of um, abortion that it's a clump of cells then what made it is not important either. Yep. Or when we look at it from a good a, um, an evolutionary view where it's basically a biological accident, a number of dominoes that happened yeah. to line up 
in that way, which is so ridiculous to think of that, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yes. Anyone who's ever set up dominoes knows you cannot randomly even set up dominoes to go off the right way without careful execution, Right. Yeah. let alone a child made of billions and billions of cells that had to reproduce exactly the right yeah. way. Any one that went wrong would have would have ruined the, the yeah. child and, and it's so it's so it's so mind-blowing that we have accepted this lie because it's so obviously bizarre yeah. well the science is on our side you know <laughs> yeah with it dna is. now yeah it is. you know right. it yeah. is on our True side eventually yeah. eventually the 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 world will change and will shift right and we'll look at back at this time and think i think we we'll look back that. on this <laughs> time as we did on slavery you know, oh, absolutely. look on this yeah. time and yeah. say, well, how, oh, could we, how, how could have you accepted that, yeah. the I think that we'll look death? at the entire world as it is right now, as we have viewed Nazi Germany during World War II. Absolutely. How could they do that? Yeah. How could they believe that? How could they buy into that? How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Right. How could they let that happen? And we're watching craziness crazy <laughs> in our world right and now that's what this podcast is all about turning to normal <laughs> yeah. right? god's normal god's normal the yeah. real normal yeah we, we've bought into so much untruth mm -hmm. and yeah, so much simpler so many, than we all think too yeah yeah and and it, there's so many things that as i looked at how did we get here that i was i'm i'm actually even though i have been conscious i'm actually surprised at the amount of things that the Lord is pointing out to me now, or, well, there was this little thing decades ago mm -hmm. that we embraced, and there was this little thing, and there was this little thing, and now they're really big things. When you ask yeah. honest questions to God, he'll answer, and you yeah. won't like it, right? Yeah. Those and are honest questions, like, what, how did we actually get, oh, yeah, I did accept that as a kid, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, we did yep. start to go this way, you know, we start to mm -hmm. see, that's amazing. A lot of people right. don't do that anymore. I think one of the biggest ones is like Joseph Smith, right? Joseph Smith, when he said, which church do I join? What do I say? What, where, where do I go from here? What? I'm so confused, right? And right. he says, don't join any of them because of the creeds, right? It was that definition of God that was right. everything. They, they had accepted the wrong definition of God. Right. As on all of them, all of the religions had accepted yeah. the same definition of God, which right. was incorrect. And he goes, I want to change that. I want to be who I am. Don't don't tell me that I'm a male single spirit, spirit right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I'm actually a human being, that I actually am married. Yeah. That's right. the thing that we need to remember. So Liz, why don't you tell us some of the experiences that you had as a mother that brought you to this point where you are conscious? Well, it's, um, it's kind of the, the office of what I'd love to be able to share. Like I would love to be able to share about just how wonderfully inspired and amazing I've always been. But more, more than that, it's been, um, you know, it's been experiences of being treated as if I'm dumb or, um, unmotivated or, um, you know, don't you have any ambition, mm -hmm. things like that. And just because of that constant pressure and the, the, the sad, the really sad thing is this is from within my own family. This is from within mm -hmm. my own church. This is, I mean, this is like my, this is not the, just the world. This is like 
the closer influences that I actually care about, right? Mm -hmm. And so with that bombardment, um, I really had, I really had to get closer to the Lord and say, okay, am I wasting my time? Um, is this a lack of self-esteem? Um, have I been bamboozled? You know, there's a book out that I'm dying to read by someone of, um, I think Isak, she's probably in your generation and it calls, we were not, it's called, we were not deceived. Mm. And I can't wait to read it because she's talking about, because there's this whole generation that are basically being taught that they've been deceived and they're falling away from the gospel because of it. But, um, but that's like, that was my thing going to the Lord and saying, okay, you know, was this just my family's idea? Was this just a cultural idea? What was, you know, and, and he went, and that's where I went back in and, and found that. And then also just facing my weakness as a mom, like, I, I'm not like a naturally calm person. <laughs> um, I definitely have a temper that I have to really watch and um, self-control only goes so far. There has yeah. to be an underlying understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, if you understand more what your purpose is and what your goals are and where you're heading, then you have a reason to behave differently, right? If, if all, if my entire purpose as a mom was the list of things that I had to do every day, not only is that totally unfulfilling, I can't do it. Right. Like I had five kids in six years. Okay. There were times when I wrote down every day, what I was supposed to do. And there was no way that I was going to do it. So I had to turn to the Lord and say, and I could say this because I knew it was important to him, right? Mm -hmm. If I, if I didn't know that it was important to him, then why would I ask for his help? Right. <laughs> if yeah. I thought it was a nothing burger to him, then, then why would I ask him for help me? Right. And I, and I would turn to him and say, here's my list. Help me to know what things I need to do first. Help me to find the windows of opportunity to do each thing. And if I was mindful like that, and the end of the day came and there was stuff that didn't get done, I still had peace. I knew that I had done everything that was necessary and what didn't happen was not necessary. Wow. So it was- It takes a lot of faith to finally have that realization. Yeah, and to, to be able to know how to do that, that's really adm admirable. Yeah, and you wow. figured it out on your own? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it, it was a culmination of things. So our- a lot of talks in general conference at the time, there was a lot of emphasis on simplify. Right? Yes. So there was that. There needs to be a lot more of that now. Right. <laughs> keep doing that. Let's keep with that theme. <laughs> right. And so another thing that I did in addition to that, just mindfulness and every day was, um, was I, I had kids that were old enough to be consciously aware of what they liked and didn't like and what was mm -hmm. important to them and what wasn't. And I sat down with them and I said, okay, what are some of the things that we do that you like that are important to you? Like I wrote down things like, you know, reading books together and just wow. all the different activities. And basically I cut out everything that they didn't care about. Oh, I just went, oh. <laughs> well, that's simple. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, so these things they don't care about, 
and I mean, obviously not things that needed to happen. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. There are the things that you have that need to be done. Like, you know, you need to feed them and all that stuff. <laughs> but I just cut <laughs> <Thank> out. <you. laughs> exactly. I, wouldn't, I didn't let him get away with, well, I don't really want to do my writing. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do the writing, but we might do it in a way that is more in line with what, what, what works for you, you know, mm. but um. But yeah, and I just, I threw out the things that were not important to them. You know, we did, we had music time every day and we had um, reading time. And so something else that was really important that I want to bring up about the motherhood thing is that um, in young women's, so my leaders always had babies and children, right? My, my leaders were always in the age where they were having children and babies and, and everything and they would bring their babies in. And you guys, even though I totally had a testimony of families and, and everything else, I just did not have like a pull toward the babies. I was not fascinated by them. They did not bring me joy. And it bothered me about myself. Mm -hmm. like, that I was like, I, I don't have this natural connection with babies. I don't have this natural. And maybe they weren't fascinating to me in part because when I was six years old, my sister started having babies and they were like my siblings, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I was the youngest of nine. So my, my older sisters were, you know, getting married when yeah. I was that age. And so, um, and so I don't know, maybe it was just because it wasn't really a novelty to me, but it, it bothered me and it scared me a lot um, because I did have a testimony of families and I did have a testimony of the Lord's plan. And so um, I really, that was probably something while I was pregnant that I pondered and prayed on so much was, you know, how am I going to connect with this, with this baby that I'm going to have. And, and after she was born, I wasn't magically intuitive about right. it either, but I was, I was asking the Lord and I, and I had certain talents, like I was musically inclined. I've always been in love with words. I just love words. Um, <laughs> and I, so Heavenly Father just showed me and my mom had actually said something when I was um, so I actually worked with her before I got married uh, in her office. She was the office manager. And I mentioned one day, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm cut out to be a homemaker um, because I didn't have this natural affinity with babies and children and, and things. And she said, she said, Liz, any gift that God has given you is going to make you better at being a mom. Mm -hmm. That's a profound statement. Like anything, any gifts or talents that you have are going to. And so that, you know, plus the pondering and everything and what Heavenly Father showed me was that I could connect with music and I could connect with books. And so we, we did music time all the time. We sang songs together all the time. We played music and we moved our body to the music. You know, we ran running songs is what my kids would call it. If they were fast music, then it would be running songs. Awesome. And, um, and they would run around in circles. It was so funny. Um, and then reading a lot of books together. Right. So I, if you, if you gave, brought a child to me and I was supposed to just play with them, I didn't know how, like, yeah. I do now because I now have, you know, more than 20 years experience in parenting and interacting with kids. And I actually learned from my kids how to play with kids, right? That's yeah. great. That's great. <laughs> but I had to connect first through, through, 
through uh, words, through through books, and through music, and um, and that was, and I guess that's like, I think that's another myth that we have in our society is that if you aren't naturally, you don't see yourself as really nurturing, then you're not cut out, and you mm -hmm. should just focus on your career, right? Yeah. Like I see that too, and I, and I think it's because we're missing as society the point of life, which is to to be parents. That that's that really is it. Mm -hmm. It is to prepare to meet God and all of that. But we get to know someone better when we stand for a minute in their shoes, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we get to know God if we don't become parents? Wow. Like yeah, you're right. We're, we never stand in his shoes. And I, I understand from a parental perspective so much more the Lord's part in the savior's sacrifice, because the, the world will say, you know, what kind of awful God would send his son to die, right? Would do that. Right. And, and I can understand that because as a parent, you, you want to help your children. You eat him allowing his child to suffer i didn't recognize how great of a sacrifice that was until i became a parent and when you're in a position where you have to stand back and allow your child to suffer i i don't even know how to explain what that feels like yeah and what a sacrifice that really is, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people will say, well, how, how could God see suffering and stand back and stand by? And, and I, I go, well, agency. Yeah. We, and we all experience that as moms, yeah. right? We have well, and, to watch our and, children. And the same people who will go. say, how could God yeah. allow this suffering will also say, you know, a parent should never control everything their child does. Well, you can't have it both ways. Nope. Absolutely. Like you can't have it both ways. You cannot respect agency and step in and control everything that happens. And so it's. So, it's so what was the point where you decided, because obviously my generation struggles with this and I've had problems, you know, we've had conversations with my wife where she's like, all I want to do is become a mom. All I want to do is that. So I literally have no other aspirations. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to, and, 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 a society and her family have been teaching her that she needs to do more. She needs to go get a bachelor's degree. She needs to do all this stuff. So what was the point where you realized that being a mom was the most important thing that you did? Well, so many times, so many times, um, we, we have had, um, many series of financial difficulties in which people around me expected me to go get a job <laughs> and um it wasn't i didn't consider it <laughs> and so i would get on my knees and i would say you know should i go out and get a job should i go out and do this and how my father would say no stay where you're at um and there was like multiple levels for that right part of that was because what you're doing is really important to me liz and because what you're doing is important to me i'm going to send the compensatory the compensatory blessings that your family will need. I will financially bless you for doing what I need you to do to or being where you, I need you to be. Right. So that was a really important one um, was just him saying what you're doing is important enough for me to bless you. Um, yeah. 
to to bless your husband and in, in his income and to bless your family with your resources that you need to maximize the things that you already have to multiply what you already have um and so there were uh, lots of and then he he taught me and through that he taught me the question what do i have right now that will help me meet the needs that we need to meet the unmet needs right what do i have now that will help me create what needs to be created there and that's been a really powerful question um in creation is to just because when we hit a brick wall there's this assumption that oh my gosh what am i going to do i don't have what i need but there's a there's i there's a scripture that says something about being um having everything you need when you need it right mm -hmm. and i can't remember the wording but um but just to, to to so knowing that that god respected what i did that he has respect for what i do as a mom led me to to say okay what do i have mm -hmm. what have you already provided for me mm -hmm. that that i can use to that I can magnify, multiply, or ask you to magnify and multiply. Yeah. And that kind of goes, that goes into um, the, um, sorry, the Sermon on the Mount, the multiplying of the loaves and fishes that goes into, um, oh shoot, it's Old Testament. And I can never remember if it was Elijah or Elisha. Anyway, the woman with the crucible oil and the meal that never ran out. That, so God's teaching us all the way along, you know, he, yeah. he's, he shows us in that story obviously he cares about her as a mother being able to provide for her child to the point that he will multiply what she already has and that goes not only into our external resources but our internal resources as well that i will multiply in you what you have so that it's enough yeah. so that you can do what's necessary but it, it does come back to knowing that god is a respecter not of persons but of of the importance of parenthood that, that yes. we can we can trust him to help us out in these needs because it's our number one purpose right it's our number one responsibility um but as far as so going back to him every time honestly i think that's what it really comes down to when it comes to being able to feel um love and fulfillment and things as a mother because in society you are not going to find that you're not even going to find it in a church you're not going to find it with your family members necessarily but just making god number one and going back to him over and over and saying okay what do you say this is this is what others have said what do you say yeah you know what what do you say and that's and not just in motherhood that's in everything I mean, you know, because sometimes you have to do that about what your feedback from your kids is. My kids are saying this is this is, is this what you think, mm. <laughs> you know, um, I have older kids and. Um, we've had some. Great difficulties in our relationships, and so I actually just have spent the last few years reevaluating like pretty much everything that I did as a parent. What what did I do wrong? What did I do right? Uh, in what ways are they right? In what ways are they wrong? Because everybody has a perspective and sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. Yeah. So, um, and there's like, in parenting, there's this weaving out of everybody's stories, right? My story, their story, what's the truth, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What's God's truth. story? <laughs> right, yeah. right. What's yeah. the truth? You know, what yeah. is the mm -hmm. truth? Right. And so, um, so with 
So with knowing that, the other thing, um, there's, a, there's a pattern that we see in scripture where prophets will teach something and if the people reject it, they stop teaching it, not because it's not true, but because the people have rejected it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, and, and out of agency, God says, okay, fine. I've told you what this path will lead to. And if you choose to go down it, you, that's what's going to happen, but it's, I will allow you to do it. It's yeah. the normalcy bias, right? Where everyone right. thinks that, because everyone else believes it, that I, then it must be true. And that's right. wrong. Right. And so um, if you look at talks by like President Kimball and President Benson, they talked all the time about the importance of mothers being in the home. Yeah. Um, they talked about making sacrifices to, to do that. And they talked about President Kimball, Kimball even warned against women going to work after they were married. Yeah. So this pattern that. is like it's well established right and mm -hmm. um just because current prophets aren't talking about it does not mean that it's not still a principle it still is the print that the it's the principle is still the same yeah. and um though those kind of things have really helped me but but number the number one thing is to just keep turning to god and saying what do you think you know the world says i'm wasting my time what yeah. do you think you know, my family says I'm wasting my time. What do you think? Um, uh, there was a certain family member that every single time I got pregnant, there was never any support ever. Never were they happy. It was always, oh my gosh, it's so soon. That was for my first one. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, so soon again. And, and kind of, they kind of acted like I must be brainless. You know, I must be brainless. I, I just must not know enough. And I, I just, you know, oh, oh, or this is my favorite. You're exercising too much faith. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. I know. Wow. I know. That's, a, that's an interesting Satan tactic. <laughs> and I was like, well, and the thing is, you know, sometimes we can, we can, instead of planning and doing our due diligence, say, oh, well, you know, it, whatever God, whatever happens is God's will. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and there is that, but then there is, but I think there's a serious problem when we say, well, the world says this, so uh, never mind God, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. but, but it, here's the thing that's really interesting. So I had five kids in six years and it wasn't easy. It was very difficult, but when before I was pregnant with my, before I had my fifth child, I, I had some issues that I was working with doctors and some um, specialized physical therapists on because I had major problems. And um, I was, um, sorry, I forgot for a second where I was going. <laughs> um, so my body was really falling apart. And um, I, anyway, long story short, I found out from my doctor, because with these problems that came up, they took my history from like, we're back in my teenage years to see like, where did this begin? What are the possible um, causes and things like that? And they said, um, she, they told me, she said, um, you, if you had not had your children right away, and close together, you may not have been able to have children at all. And you wow. definitely would not have been able to have all of them. Have you had you waited? Wow. 
Wow. Because there was this pre-existing condition from my teenage years. Um, and if I had waited, I, I had to have a hysterectomy at 27. Oh my and goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So by the time I had my, and I could tell you just some so amazing stories. Um, my last two babies, my body basically quit functioning halfway through labor. Mm. And, um, and I just, I just prayed and, you know, you can feel the contracting of your uterus, pushing the baby out, you know, yeah. and it quit. Oh, it just wow. quit. And somehow the baby was pushed out. Hmm. Like, I don't know how to explain that to you, except for like, I could feel that nothing was happening, <laughs> but somehow the babies were pushed out. Wow. And that was just literally, it was, it was God coming in and doing for me what I could not do Yeah, because I was following his plan. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't say, Liz, don't have these babies because your body's breaking down. Yeah. He said, I will make it possible. Yeah. Wow. I will make a it lot possible. Of faith. That's beautiful. And so it was like, it was really, really wonderful to, um, so I did, before I had the surgery, I went through, and that was really knowing what I know and how I feel about motherhood and womanhood. You wouldn't think, oh, she's having a hysterectomy, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I, it was a really interesting experience because I went, um, I went, I'd gone into the doctor so many times and they, they were having a hard time figuring out what to do. And I just prayed and I said, Heavenly Father, I need you to lead the doctor. I need you to tell them what, what needs to be done here. And at this point, it was too early to determine something like a surgery, especially at my age. I was so yeah. young. Mm -hmm. And so I had this interesting experience with a friend at church. She was an older woman. Um, her kids were all grown and she was kind of a mentor for me. And um, I saw her and I walked up and she just had the most, she was so inspired. Um, but she said, what, what's wrong? And I didn't even know that I was showing that anything was wrong. And the spirit just said, and I said these words and afterwards I was like, where did that come from? Cause I had not thought about it before. And the, the spirit just said, and I said to her, I think I'm going to have to have a hysterectomy. And I didn't know where that came from. Like, I have no idea. I had not even yeah. thought about it before that moment. Wow. And it was like, it was so weird. And then I was in the doctor's office and I had prayed for the Lord to specifically guide the doctor. And she was talking and in the middle of her sentence, she quit and she looked me straight in the eyes and she goes, I just have a feeling that you are going to have to have a hysterectomy. And the spirit said, this is true. Mm. I never, I, I've looked back so many times I, I, because I do grieve about it. I do. I, I would love to have had more children. I would love to have not lost that part of me, um, physically that part of me. Mm -hmm. um, and if I didn't have, if I hadn't had that confirmation, I, I don't think I could live with it. I think, yeah. I think it would just, the guilt would destroy me mm -hmm. and the regret, the regret, yeah. but I had that, 
that confirmation where the Lord told me, and that was, and it still took another year or so before there was like an official diagnosis and surgery, you know, and I went through a whole lot of therapies trying to avoid it, you know, trying to just strengthening my body and, and, and I did, but those therapies saved me from having further surgery because there was a possibility of, of needing a more invasive surgery as well. And because of those therapies, I was able to only have the hysterectomy and I got to keep my ovaries, which actually may have saved my life because um, in the last few years, I've had adrenal and thyroid fatigue and my, my specialist, she said, basically the only thing keeping you running is your sex hormones, which I wouldn't have as much of if I didn't have my ovaries. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was, it was so amazing too, at the time, you know, Heavenly Father led me to this doctor. Um, she, she was pretty much the most, has the most training in the specific surgery that I needed, like in the country. And she had recently moved to our area. Like it was crazy. Like my, my doctor was like, I just read about this doctor that came in this area and she gave me a referral and she saw things that other doctors didn't see. She recognized things that others didn't recognize. And (laughs) she was a person of faith because that was one of the things I did in preparation for the surgery. I said to her, "I, I don't know what your religious perspective is, but I'm asking you to please pray about this so that you'll be led what needs to be done. Because I gave, I gave her, by this point, by the time I had the surgery, I was bleeding for like six weeks straight oh my gosh. because my uterus wouldn't clamp down and, and, you know, and so it was constantly just, and so I was constantly cramping and I was bleeding. So I was severely anemic and I was already 10, I already had a tendency towards anemia. And so, but anyway, so with all of this, um, having the anemia, having the weakness, all of this stuff that happened, it, it pushed me more into, and I pushed isn't quite the right word, but it'll do, um, more towards relying wholly on the Lord. Because if you've got five kids and they're six and under and you're anemic and you're in pain all the time, (laughs) It's got to come from somewhere else. And also at the time my husband was in the military and deploying, he would be gone for two months and home for two months or gone for three months and home for home for three months or gone for three months and home for two or gone for four and home for. And so it was like also that, right? There's another layer of, but, but it's all of it is, I feel like, I feel like God uses parenthood more than anything else to call us to himself. I agree. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah that's a big yeah. statement for sure we are we're tested to the utmost of our outer most extreme possible limits mm-hmm. and i feel like the only way to really survive and and not survive but to thrive right yeah it's such a perfect environment for learning because you love these people so much mm-hmm. and you know that in order to t- stop screwing it up <laughs> you have to have some outside help yeah right Absolutely. and and then 
And then there's that layer of how your children reflect to you all of your weaknesses and you can't deal with, unless you, unless you take something to shut yourself off, right? You can't deal with that. You can't deal with the guilt and the constant reminders of your own weakness and your own feelings and how you know it's going to play out negatively for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't deal with that without the Savior, without mm-hmm. going, the only hope and I, I think I don't think anybody is truly in reality who has not realized this. The only hope for my children, no matter how good of a parent I am, is for them to have a relationship with God. Because yeah. it's only his healing and redeeming power that's gonna make it work. Yeah. I cannot be perfect enough, no matter how hard I try. I'm going, I agree. I mean, and and there's no way, and I I just like motherhood for me is is the the thing that that demands me there's a better word for it it's more like it's more like suction right it's more it just it kind of sucks me into that tight space where there's there's nothing to do but get closer to god like So how would you define motherhood? Motherhood. See, it is hard to define. Um, I'm going to work on it. Um, I have been thinking about this. Um, Because Eve was called a mother before she ever had a child. She was the mother of all living before she ever had a child. So it's not only to have children. Um, I would say the essence of motherhood is to make grow. And when you think about gardening, you know, you're giving the right kind of soil, you're giving the right kind of water, you're giving, you know, sunlight and all of those kind of things. And then you're also pruning, right? You're pruning, mm-hmm. you're digging about. And so the word make, to make grow is nurturing, right? Mm-hmm. To nurture is to make grow. But we always think about the cuddling and things like that. When we talk about nurturing, we talk, we think about feeding and cuddling and whatever, but it's also that thing that we have to do as moms, when we take a firm line and say, this is how it is. Yeah. This is how it is. You know, that's a great definition. Yeah. And then also the, the standing back. Yeah. When both, right. Yeah. Right. Making the firm line and standing back and saying, this is how it is make good choices yeah like yes perfect yeah wow liz i have i've learned a lot about you more than i thought and we we've been good friends for a while but i I didn't know most of those stories so i i just want to thank you thank you for so much for for giving us this insight into motherhood and what we could do is there anything that you would give an audience or a a new mother or a, a mother that is going through the stuff that you've been through what kind of advice would you offer them Well, I don't have anything to say that has never been said. Um, I find that sometimes the standard answers are standard because they work. Because they're standard? <laughs> yeah, because they work. Yeah. Um, I would say that the absolute key is put God first. That's it. Every single time. Whether it's I can't do something and I need you to help me, God, or um, I feel like I'm a total failure. 
-hmm. And let's be honest, um, a mother who's facing her own weaknesses and the way that they have harmed her children, whether small or great, um, can feel like the world would be better off without her or her mm -hmm. family might be better off without her. Yeah, you're right. And if you define yourself by the opinions of other people and by the decisions of your, of, of your children, um, you could very easily end up in suicide Not so easily, sure. so easily. And um, I'll be honest, I, when my older children made the decisions they made and there's a few things that happened, I spent those years reevaluating everything. I had to face really hard things, really hard things, things that I had not seen about myself, mm -hmm. things that attitudes that I had had magnified and uh, behaviors that I had been blind to and the way that it affected my children. And when you're in the Lord's university, it is not all at a go at a boy you know you yeah. did so good it's not it's it's some really hard looking at your own weakness your own and the way that it affects the people that you love the most and i spent i did spend a couple of years pulling myself back from suicide every single day wow every single day multiple times a day um and the only way that it worked was to turn to him and say, I can't make it right. Yeah. But I know that you can, mm -hmm. right? And to turn to him and say, what do you think? And sometimes that came in the form of why the heck am I here, <laughs> mm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, feeling like everyone around me would be so much better off without me because I'm being faced with my own weakness and the way that hurts people around me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and having to actually look at it right i mean the, the thing is we all know that i could have gone to sources that would have validated everything i did everything i was and and oh it's not nothing is your fault right yeah, I, I could yeah. have gone to those sources i could have gone to people who would just say it's normal you're human it's not your fault or whatever but and it was not easy to keep to allow myself to stay in the fire, right? To be refined, to be, um, and at the same time, not feel hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what drives the suicidal ideation is that there's no hope except for just to die, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I can't magically, recognizing that these things are wrong did not make me magically able to immediately change and so even though i was trying and even though i was daily coming back to the lord and saying i need you to help me i need you to change me i need you to show me like what do i believe underneath all of this that's driving this horrible behavior you know this mm -hmm. um unhealthy attitude towards things right and it, it didn't happen right away and i I've come to the conclusion that one of the reasons that I am here on this planet is to show my family how to fail miserably and keep going. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, I, um, 
and I am, I am experiencing healing and I am experiencing change. It's not like we're in a cycle and we're staying in the cycle and things are not getting better. They are. Um, but every single day, just having to come to the Lord and say, um, what is your opinion? Like, what is, what do you think? How do you feel? if I'm here, it must be your will. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that was also the other number one thing that kept me from, from, from suicide was he would love me no matter what, but taking my own life would have been a strong, direct action against his will. Yeah. And that could only separate me from him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the pain that we need to, to let go of. I, I love the, um, in the chosen, have you seen the movie, the chosen? Mm-hmm. So in there where she is going through the depression and she is suicidal and she says yeah. the only difference it made from her to be a disciple of Jesus Christ to being in that pain is, is Jesus, right? right. Jesus healed her. And that's right. the only thing that was different. Right. So, yeah, I think that we should definitely turn to him for all of those things. Right. So, um, Liz, is there any place that people can go to find you or to get in contact with you if they would like to hear more of your story? Um, I still have a blog open, uh, okay. com. You can go to my blog. Honestly, it needs to be updated because I would change a lot of things that I wrote like five years ago. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm... Um, I'm actually in the middle of rewriting my book that I wrote uh, years ago. It's a biography with the lessons I've learned. Oh, beautiful. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Yeah, it's called Living in Light, Learning How to Choose Joy. Oh, I love that. That's exciting. So when you get that finished, you'll put that on your blog then? Yeah. Okay. Great. I'll just put it up there as a a PDF. Okay. So it's LizKingBradley.com, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right then we will make, we'll let people know then. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, thanks for listening. Obviously, if you liked in uh, these kinds of podcasts, if you like more interviews, uh, please say so in the, in the reviews and then reach out to us at info at, at uh, called to learn. called <laughs> to learn.com. And uh, to, we'd love to get you more of your feedback, but thank you so much, Liz, for joining us and everyone else have a great day. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.